This is the ninth in the series of podcasts produced by the British Society of Hematology. This podcast is on the updated guideline on frontline management of post-transplant lymphoproliferative disorder PTLD following solid organ transplant in adults. The recording was done over Zoom during the COVID pandemic and we apologize for the sound quality. I'm Nimesh Shah, hematologist and first author of this guideline. I've been fortunate enough to have such a strong group of experts involved in writing this guideline and it is a pleasure to share this guideline with you on behalf of them. This guideline is focused on the frontline management of PTLD following solid organ transplant in adults. It does not include the management of PTLD after an allergenic stem cell transplant or surveillance for PTLD. This falls outside the remit of this guideline. In this podcast, I will briefly touch on the role of PET scanning, the management of PTLD, and finally conclude with potential new developments. In the first part of this podcast, I'm going to talk about the PET scan and its role in PTLD. Once the diagnosis of PTLD is established, patients should have their baseline investigations as outlined in the guideline. Staging in PTLD is routinely done by CT scan and it remains a reasonable imaging modality for this. However, PET CT scan is now more established in FTG avid disease especially in diseases such as diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, follicular lymphoma. With increasing expertise and experience with PET-CT scan, this has now been incorporated into PTLD across many centers. Recent studies have shown that up to 15% of patients with PTLD can get upstaged using PET-CT scan. Although it's not fully established in PTLD, it remains a reasonable imaging modality to use where available. Moving on to the second part of the podcast, I'm going to discuss about the management of patients with PTLD. Patients with PTLD can be complex and challenging. In many cases, a number of other specialties need to be involved in their care. It is recommended that the transplant physician or team should be involved in the management of these patients and in addition, a formal assessment of the transplanted organ should be carried out. The initial management and the backbone in the management of PTLD is the reduction in immunosuppression. We felt that the most pragmatic approach in the reduction of immunosuppression is to follow the PTLD1 trial criteria. Here, it was recommended to stop all antimetabolites, reduce calcineurin inhibitors by 30 to 50%, and maintain the steroids. In cases where reduction in immunosuppression is not possible, early initiation of alternative therapies should be considered. If reduction in immunosuppression is the only treatment initiated, then it is recommended early assessment of response should be considered at two to four weeks. This allows early intervention for patients who have inadequate response to reduction in immunosuppression alone. Focusing on the most common type of PTLD, the monomorphic CD20 positive PTLD, where most cases resemble diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, it is reasonable to follow the PTLD1 trial approach using a sequential treatment. On those patients who need treatment or who have failed to respond to reduction in immune suppression alone, it is reasonable to treat them with single-agent rituximab once a week for four cycles and assess the response. Those patients who have achieved a complete remission 
should go on to have four further cycles of rituximab only every three weeks. In those patients who fail to achieve an adequate response should be escalated to four cycles of ARCHOP chemotherapy. The PTLD1 trial data reported an overall survival of six years and a clear plateau in the progression-free survival when using this approach. The initial readout of the PTLD1 trial with its sequential approach and escalation to ARCHOP had a high treatment-related mortality and morbidity. In order to reduce the treatment-related mortality and morbidity, there was further developments of the PTLD1 trial. Here, they allowed patients who had a low IPI, wanted to, but had achieved a partial response after four cycles of rituximab to go on to have further four cycles of rituximab only without escalation to ARCHO. This approach was efficacious and had a reduction in the treatment-related mortality. Therefore, we recommend a sequential approach in treating patients with PTLD. It is important to note that those patients with an aggressive or life-threatening PTLD should be treated with upfront ARCHOP chemotherapy. Other forms of PTLD and rarer forms of PTLD, such as Hodgkin's PTLD, T-cell PTLD, plasma cell dyscrasia PTLD, and CNS PTLD. There remains a paucity of data on how to specifically manage these forms of PTLD. It is reasonable to use the treatment algorithms from the de novo counterparts alongside reduction in immune suppression where possible. Moving on to the relapse and refractive PTLD, again, there remains a paucity of data and prospective data to guide therapy here. Patients who are refractory to RCHOP chemotherapy have a very poor prognosis. However, in selected patients, second-line more intensive chemotherapy with the possibility of an autologous stem cell transplant consolidation can be considered. Recent data shared by the EBMT group suggested that this is a reasonable approach, but it's only in a very select group of patients. So when considering a more intensive approach in patients with PTLD, it is very important to consider these patients carefully. Finally, I'd like to briefly touch on EBV-specific cytotoxic T-cell therapy. Recent series have shown very promising data in this therapy in PTLD. It has a 70% overall response and 60% overall survival at three years. This is a very good option and is reasonable to use where available in patients with relapsed refractory PTLD. All patients with PTLD are significantly immunocompromised and therefore should be considered for antimicrobial prophylaxis. All patients should be considered for PCP prophylaxis and when using chemoimmunotherapy, GCSF can be considered as per your local guidelines. In conclusion, there has been some important changes to the management of PTLD following the 2010 guideline. The most relevant change is the sequential treatment approach as outlined by the PTLD-1 trial. We hope that you find the guideline useful and relevant and for further details on this guideline and other guidelines, please visit the British Society of Hematology website. Thank you for listening.